All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I am, of course, your host, Aaron Freeman. And today I am joined by none other than the Falcoholic himself, Dave Choate. We're going to be talking quite a bit about putting a button on the Falcons 2020 season, looking ahead to their 2021 all season, as well as taking a deeper look into their coach and general manager search as we sort of talk about the key bullet points from Arthur Blank and Rich McKay's press conference on Monday. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at FalcFans.com, RIP, and still going strong on Twitter at FalcFans and, of course, the host of this preeminent Lockdown Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. So, I, as I mentioned earlier, I am joined by none other than Dave Choate of the Falcoholic. Dave, my good friend, welcome to the show. I always enjoy having you on because you have been covering this team for pretty much as long as I have. And you have perspective. You've been through multiple coaching searches. You've been through multiple GM searches or at least one GM search. So, you know, you have a, a certain perspective that a lot of fans and, and media people may not have. So I appreciate your input on those subjects and we'll get into those today. But again, welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks for having me back. It's it's sort of crazy to think that this is the the second GM search that you and I have been through. And it's actually been much longer than either of us probably would have expected, given the history of the Falcons. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, we'll, we'll get into sort of that subject as well as the Arthur Blank, Rich McKay uh, press conference that they did on Monday later in the show. But sort of first things first, I do want to touch upon uh, one idea that was brought up in that press conference was that the Falcons were a better team than their four and 12 record would indicate. Do you think that's an accurate assessment? And if so, how much better do you think this team should have been in 2020? Yeah, I think um, ultimately Arthur Blank kind of nailed that one when he said, you know, he was, you know, going on the, they're, they're better than a four and 12 team. You know, they played hard a couple of plays here and there. And I was like, here we go. You know, um, but he actually came out and said, you know, it's a, probably closer to seven and nine or eight and eight. And that's still not good enough. And, you know, coming into this year, you know, I'm, I'm usually pretty optimistic about the chances. And, and I thought they were probably around a 500 football team. Um, I just didn't think they had improved enough. And I, I think ultimately that's probably where I think their, their talent level and the way they lost games probably should have put them this year. I think you can, you can certainly argue that a couple of plays went their way here and there too, but those were few and far between comparatively. They did lose a lot of close games. So I think their absolute ceiling would have been around eight and eight. So we're talking about the difference between, you know, one of the very worst teams in the league and, and a mediocre one. And I think, you know, to, to Blank's point, that's, that's not really good enough. And, and it isn't really much of a comfort, I guess, that they maybe didn't win those three or four games. Yeah, I, I think Arthur Blank kind of nailed it. That's that same with you, Dave. You know, you tend to, as you're right, you're, you tend to be a little bit more optimistic than me. But even I was like, they're, they're kind of like a seven or eight win team going into the season. And depending on the day would determine whether I felt they were more of a seven and nine team and an eight and, or an eight and eight team. And, you know, you look at the season, as Arthur Blank mentioned, as you have discussed, 
you know, there was a couple of close games, some sort of mathematically won't say impossible because nothing's impossible when it comes to the Falcons and, and being in their ability to lose uh, leads, but at least mathematically very, very unlikely that they should have lost uh, several games where they had like an over 95% win probability and lost like three or four of those games this year. So if, if those just math, you know, statistically speaking, they just managed to <laughs> win a game that they had a 99% chance of, of winning. Uh, you know, you're, you're looking at sort of a seven win team. You look at their point differential and that sort of suggested that they probably should have been a, a 500 team or slightly below. I'm curious when we look at this season, what are some of the things that you look at as the causes of the quote unquote downfall of the Falcons in 2020 that led to their underachieving? Well, I hate to beat the Kirk, uh, Kirk, Kirk Dutter. Um, yeah. I can't talk to that, but Dirk Cutter drum, but I, I mean, that always comes first to mind for me. I, I think, you know, when he was hired, I think I was on this very show and you and I talked about not really being excited about him as a candidate, but being like, well, you know, as long as he's a modest improvement, even over Sark, then, you know, this offense will be headed in the right direction. And I, I don't feel like that happened. I feel like the fact that the there was no credible threat of a run game um, throughout most of the year, throughout most of his tenure, and the fact that, you know, it, things just did not work out well for Dirk Cutter. I feel like he was a big part of the problem. I feel like injuries to Julio compounded that. Um, I think the Falcons took a long time to kind of get their footing as a passing game without him. And I think defensively, um, you know, the, the same issues, it, it really is groundhog day all the time for the Falcons because it's the pass rush again. Um, you know, I thought they had some impressive efforts this year for a team without a lot of credible pass rushing threats, but um, they rarely finished games. Well, it seemed like the pass rush usually evaporated in the second half and the secondary had a lot of the same secondary issues as much as I like AJ Terrell and thought he did a great job. And certainly Keanu Neal um, having a resurgent year helped. They just don't quite have enough talent or a good enough plan back there. And, you know, maybe the final factor is just being the Falcons, because as you said, they lost games that it should have been impossible for them to lose. And they did it in hilarious non onside kick recovering ways. So you know, when you come right down to it, they, they failed because, you know, I think Cutter is not a great offensive coordinator. I think he's an easy punching bag that we've we've hit a lot at the Falcoholic this year. But I think really it's just that the Falcons have never consistently put together a team that can run the ball well, that can pass protect at a high level, um, rushes the passer at a high level and has a great secondary. And I think, you know, your margin for error is pretty thin when that happens. And uh, they certainly did not do a good job of navigating that. Yeah, I think you're right there. I pretty much nailed it. Um, and uh, with that sort of putting a button on 2020, as we want to leave that season behind as quickly as possible, we will sort of turn our attention on today's lockdown Falcons, looking ahead to the biggest concerns, question marks and or needs of the 2021 off season that the Falcons will have to address. And of course I will have Dave Choate of the Falcoholic alongside me to give his thoughts on that very subject. As we continue today's lockdown Falcons, you know, this 2020 season may be over for the Falcons, but it's not over for 14 other teams in the NFL. And maybe you looked at 2020 as a year that you want to do, or you look forward to 2021 as a year that you want to do better in. And of course 
you can do so by getting in on the action at betonline.ag. You're looking ahead to this weekend's six games, and we already know the lines. We know Buffalo's favored by six and a half points over the Colts. The Seahawks are favored by four and a half points versus the Rams. The Bucks are favored by nine points on the road against the Washington football team on Sunday. The early game, Baltimore's favored three and a half point road favorites versus the Titans. The Bears are ten and a half point underdogs against the Saints and the Browns are of course four and a half points underdogs against the Pittsburgh Steelers and maybe one of those lines jumps out to you all of those lines jump out to you and of course there's one place that you can go to get in on that action and of course that is betonline.ag sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag use the promo code locked on you'll get 50 percent welcome bonus don't sit on the sidelines anymore get in on the action and don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit betonline your online sportsbook experts so 2020 is mercifully over uh, and it's time for you guys to get a fresh start in 2021 with some wins and you can get some wins. If you subscribe to the locked on bets podcast with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount sports, they are picking not only football games, but college basketball games, NBA games. They're getting you the locks all winter long. So subscribe to locked on bets wherever you get your podcasts. So Dave just gave us his thoughts on the Falcons 2020 season and the main reasons and causes for why they did not live up to expectations. I imagine he would agree uh, or he would say that addressing some of those issues that he just outlined the running game, the offensive line, the pass rush, the secondary, it seems like every, every box is being checked when he he breaks it down that way, but it's fairly accurate. I, I guess, you know, I won't put words in your mouth, Dave, but sort of what are those major areas of concerns and or question marks and or needs that you really feel like the Falcons need to prioritize this offseason? Yeah, I think it, it starts with the defensive end position to me, um, not just because, you know, you can only get a good pass rush from good defensive ends, although the Falcons have, with their draft selection, seemingly subscribed to that over the years, but Right now, I look at this this roster next season, and I'm not 100% sure Fowler's back. I'm not 100% sure Alan Bailey's back. Um, and then you're basically talking about um, JTM, as I affectionately call him, because I butcher his last name regularly, um, being the only true defensive end that you have on the roster. And I, I think as good as Stephen Means could be at times, um, as good as players were when they rotated in, um, they need quality defensive ends and they they really struck out i think for one reason or another i you know with beasley and mckinley um i still think tack's a good player but it obviously didn't work out so that's where i'd start i I think they have to address that position i think they have to add talent to the running back group i think you do need to look hard at picking up a a second corner i think you know I, i liked Oliver a lot when he was taken. I I like Sheffield, but I don't think either one is really a solution um, opposite AJ Terrell. And here, like you said, I'm piling up the whole roster here, but I'm going to keep going. And I I think you look at a guard. I think I'm hopeful Hennessy will be able to take over at center, but I don't love the idea of of another year of Carpenter and, and, you know, bandages basically at the left guard position. So you know, and that makes it sound again like I'm I'm down kind of on this entire team. But I think 
it, it's really a handful of critical positions that they just haven't been able to get the talent at, or they have talent exiting this off season. And I didn't even mention safety because I'm hoping that, you know, they'll make do with Allen and uh, re-sign Keanu Neal for another year. But that's also one where they, they may not have a lot of talent going into the year. So, um, but at least they've got Matt Ryan and Julio Jones for now. So, And Calvin Ridley. And Calvin Ridley. There you go. And that's about it. Yes. <laughs> uh, um, let's let's turn our attention to the Arthur Blank Rich McKay postseason presser that aired on Monday. Um, and here were sort of my main takeaways, my main bullet points from that. And we'll see if you have any more to add. You know, they basically believed that, as I mentioned earlier, that this team was capable of winning more games than they actually did. Uh, they are looking more in the direction of they want to win now, but they don't necessarily want to win now at the expense of uh, the future, the long-term uh, gains of this team. They want to have sustainable success over the short-term, long-term, mid-term, whatever the phrases that Arthur Blank and McKay used. They don't necessarily have a preference towards an offensive versus defensive-minded head coach. There will be no mandates involved in terms of the continued uh, presence of Matt Ryan and or Julio Jones for this next regime. And if those entities want to move on from them, they will have the opportunity to basically convince uh, Arthur Blank that that is the right move. Um, There is seemingly a deep crop of candidates at both head coach and general manager, especially amongst minority candidates. And um, Rich McKay also mentioned that, Seemingly, it's so deep that they probably won't even get to their entire list of of GM candidates in terms of interviews. And, of course, the most important takeaway from the press conference is, of course, that Matt Schaub is retiring. um, And that is a huge blow uh, to the Falcons offense. Uh, Anything that I missed, Dave, that you feel compelled to add? um, Or is that a pretty fair summary of what they talked about? I think it was a pretty fair summary, although, you know, I, I might use the word catastrophic for the offense um, to see Schaub retire. So that one definitely, uh, that hurt me. And it was so, it was so casually delivered too. <laughs> it it's really like, was. as you all know, <laughs> Mad Schaub is retired. I'm like, did any of us know that? I don't think so. I was like, did I sleep through the morning? Was that breaking news at 8 a.m. And, and I didn't see it, but yeah, I was the same way. Yeah. Yeah. But I think otherwise, yeah, you summed it up and I think, you know, I think this was all about them indicating that there are a lot of roads to success in Atlanta and they're not going to kind of be the meddlers that I think um, maybe McKay and Blank have a reputation for being or that, that fear exists. Um, I think that's been alluded to many, many times in articles recently that McKay might be an obstacle for one reason or another. So just saying you know, we want success, we want to contend next year, but we're not going to hamstring an incoming GM and head coach by saying you have to do X, Y, and Z, which, you know, at a high level feels like the right message. Yeah. And if for those people that didn't check out, or, you know, you can find it online or whatever, you know, on YouTube or whatnot. But if you didn't hear it, I don't feel like they said anything drastically different than what they said in October after they fired uh, Thomas Dimitrov and Dan Quinn, except for then they were saying, we feel like we're better than an O and five start. And now they're saying, we feel like we're better than four and 12 finished. So um, do you, do you feel that that's an accurate statement as well, Dave? Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, I think they were right then and they're right now, but again, 
the degree to which they're right. Um, in years past, they might have tricked themselves into thinking, yeah, there's a tweak here, there's a tweak there, and we just keep going. But at least they do not seem to have that particular illusion at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. And we'll we'll see, you know, they, they've they said all the right things in, that you want to hear, I think, or at least that I want to hear about what direction and what their plan is. And they seem to be very open-minded and, and not necessarily sort of narrowly focused on this is the path ahead for the Falcons. But I guess ultimately we'll just find out in terms of how they actually execute um, that plan and whether or not their actions live up to the words that they've said so far, but we'll have to sort of see um, any of those particular subjects that stand out, you know, anything that really sort of caught your eye as far as one of the things and statements that they said. No, I think it's, it's just really to come back to, I think everyone's kind of already at each other's throats as we were discussing a little bit earlier before the show about, um, you know, is Matt Ryan going to be here next year? Should he be, you know, and everything else. But I think it's really important that, you know, I, I think in years past, again, this um, group, at least blank and McKay, certainly blank would have taken a firmer line on that and said, you know, these guys are franchise legends. We want them to be Falcons for life. We're definitely going to make sure that happens. You know, certainly did that in the run up to Julio getting a new contract, but this time around, they seem kind of determined to let it play out. And I think that as tough as that is to do, that's probably the best course of action for all of us as fans too, is just see what the plan is um, and see what they do. Because right now you nor I, nor anyone else knows who's coming in and what they're going to want to do with the, uh, with the roster. So it's uh, that is the right message. I think is that all roads are open as long as they make sense and the Falcons win some games because of it. Yeah. I think that's, you know, this is why I like talking to you, Dave, because you have that perspective and it, I I'm in the same boat. It's just one of those things where like, I may have a preference on what direction I want the Falcons to go, but ultimately I can look at it and say, you know, they can go in multiple directions and achieve success. And at the end of the day, that's really, you know, the ends in this case, justifying the means. And I don't necessarily need to be attached to one particular pathway, whether that's keeping Matt Ryan trading him, whether that's keeping him, um, and, and drafting his successor with the idea that Matt Ryan's going to be a bridge quarterback for one year or two years or, or five years. Uh, who knows at this point in time, and we'll just sort of have to see how it plays out. But, uh, on that subject, in terms of not knowing who the Falcons are going to hire, I do want to pick your brain on sort of some of the candidates that have so far been connected to the Falcons. And maybe if one or two of those names, uh, check your boxes as, as candidates that you're particularly um, eyeing as potential Falcon hires uh, in the coming weeks. And we'll get into that as we continue today's lockdown Falcons with Dave Chode of the Falcoholic. And before we get there, hiring and finding the right people can mean the difference between success and failure for your football organization. Similarly, finding the right parts can mean the difference between success and failure for your car. And if only there was one place that could allow us to find the right coach or GM candidate just as easily as finding the right auto parts. If only Arthur Blank could go to a website like rockauto.com to find the next general manager of the Atlanta Falcons, the world would be a much better place. But he can't do that. But he can go to rockauto.com to find engine parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new floor mats with a few easy clicks and have them delivered directly to his door. And he can do so using an easy to navigate catalog at rockauto.com that he can quickly see all the parts available for his car. 
and choose by brand specification in the prices that he prefers. And those prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. Same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much at chain stores for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com so I'm here with Dave Chota, the Falcoholic, and we're going to talk about some of his preferred candidates for coaching staff. But, you know, I know you guys are very focused on the Falcons, but there's other moves going on around the NFL. And you can get the skinny on all of those moves by subscribing to the Peacock and Williamson show where NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson Hosts that on the Lockdown Podcast Network, giving you that national perspective and covering you all the news, including all the Black Monday moves and firings and coaching changes, as well as getting you guys geared up for this weekend's slate of playoff games. And of course, you can subscribe to Peacock and Williamson every day on the Lockdown Podcast Network, wherever you get your podcasts. So, Dave, I've uh, famously or infamously, maybe, depending on your perspective, uh, been on this podcast saying that I don't necessarily have a preferred coaching candidate or general manager candidate. Um, I guess I will give you the floor. And do you have particular candidates that you're leaning towards as wanting the Falcons to hire? I do with with the caveat that, um, you know, I think you're right, especially with the GM candidates that people have very strong takes about um, candidates that it's really impossible for us to know a whole lot about. Um, like I heard I, somebody said to me earlier today that they, they didn't want Brad Holmes from the Rams. Who's one of my top candidates um, because of all the contracts that were handed out by the Rams. And I was like, well, he's the director of college scouting. So I don't think he's handing out those contracts. Um, so, and, and you know, that's not to make fun of anybody, but at the same time, it's just hard to know what these guys roles are. That being said, um, on the GM side of things, I, I do like Holmes based on the, the draft track record um, for the Rams. I, again, it's hard to know how much credit to give him for that, but I've, I've watched him speak. I've read a lot about him um, recently, and, and I like what I've seen. That's about as far as I can probably take it, but um, he seems like an interesting guy and potentially a good choice. Um, my top candidate is probably still Rick Smith. Um, for the reason that, you know, I think this job could use somebody um, experienced if they're willing to go that route. And I think he did a good job with the Texans on balance. I know there's Brock Osweiler to consider. Um, there's certainly some misses along the way, but, you know, we, we can nail any GM to the wall for screwing up 10 to 20 things um, because they all have. And, and I think he did a good job for a long time and that he'd be a strong choice to run that front office. So, you know, seeing that he might be one of the leading candidates for it certainly makes me happy because I'd like to see that. Um, you know, on the coaching side, I, I think I'm of the mind that probably the best candidates are, are offensive-minded head coaches. Um, so I, I won't uh, won't say that Rich McKay's comment about you know not going all in on one side of the ball just because you feel like you have a need. Um, is necessarily wrong, but I do think Eric B is somebody who I've liked for a while now. And I think that, you know, the more you look at a Brian Dayball, um, the more I think that he's had enough experience and done a really good job with Buffalo to the point where I'd feel comfortable 
with him stepping in in that role. I think both guys I'd like to see have strong staffs around them. You'd hope that no matter who the candidate is, but you know, in my limited purview, based on what I think I know, those would be my guys. I think you raise a great point, Dave, with not necessarily knowing people's responsibilities, and it's hard to really get on board with one candidate, but that doesn't stop people because basically people will cherry pick whatever evidence that they need to fit the narrative that they want to believe. So if you like Brad Holmes, then you say, look, he's done a great job drafting. If you don't like Brad Holmes, you say, look, they mismanaged their salary cap and he has no clue what he's doing. Or you say, Hey, Les need is a Dimitrov guy. It's a former Falcon. We need to move away from that. You know, it's, it's those types of conversations that just, I don't know not to sound extra grumpy or grumpier than usual, but it's just like, I just rolled my eyes and I'm just like, yeah, uh, this is boring guys. Like, uh, it's, like I don't get it, but people feel compelled to die on Hills every day. And uh, look, you, you can't stop human beings from dying on Hills that they feel compelled to, no matter how silly some of those Hills are. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to sort of see um, what direction the Falcons go. And I, it, it's been interesting to me that, you know, certainly for the last month and certainly today in their press conference that Arthur Blank and Rich McKay really stressed the diversity in their search. Um, and that's been something that has been talked about with Atlanta specifically because of the demographics of the city of Atlanta, um, which would be certainly, certainly interesting. What I'm getting at is, do you feel like because of the situation not only with the city of Atlanta, as well as the frequency of commentary that both Arthur Blank and Rich McKay have given about their focus on a fair and balanced and, and diverse array of candidates. Do you feel like it's inevitable that at least one of these hires between a coach and a general manager is going to be a minority candidate? And what would you say if the Falcons don't necessarily do that. What if both of them wind up being, you know, white males? What would your response to that be? I'd say I think they're definitely. It, I would be very surprised if at least one candidate was not a minority candidate. I would, um, both because of the list they've put together, the emphasis they put on it. I think Blank made that point repeatedly, even when he wasn't directly asked today, that they were building that diverse candidate list. So I, I think that's something that matters to them whether it's um, you know purely for altruistic reasons or because this is the best candidate list of all or they are concerned with optics or both, um, I, I do think that that's something that's going to happen. If I think they didn't do that, if they did not bring aboard at least one minority candidate, I'd, I'd be shocked and frankly I'd be upset because I think what you see with this candidate list is that they have assembled a great group of candidates that happens to feature um, extremely qualified minority candidates for both um, the general manager job and the head coaching position. And I think that, you know, again, regardless of how they got there, they have put together a list that I think is filled with, with worthy candidates, people who should be GMs in this league, people should, who should be head coaches in this league. And to do that and then to hire two more white guys um, for those positions to me would be, dumb first of all <laughs> really I, I mean if you look at the list the, the most qualified guys on there almost across the board are not white guys um, so it would be dumb to do that but it would also make the whole thing building this very qualified list of candidates feel a little cheap 
Um, so I, I think ultimately I do expect at least one, if not both of those candidates be minority candidates. Um, and I sincerely hope that that's the case because again, that's some of the best guys on those lists period. Yeah. And I think it would sort of summarize if that were the case, it would kind of just be a microcosm of the frequent criticisms that people have had towards the NFL in general, that, you know, they talk a good game about hiring minorities and, and diversifying. And then it ultimately at the end of the day, they just sort of fall back into the same sort of trapped, if you want to call it that mindset, um, that they have been in for decades, which is ultimately it's, you know, it's who, you know, um, it's nepotism, it's, um, you know, it's the good old boys network, et cetera, that, you know, those accusations and those criticisms that have been leveled at the NFL. And ultimately I'll be curious if the Falcons go in that direction. And, you know, for anybody out there that's sitting there saying like, Oh, we're not going to hire the best candidate. We're just going to hire some, you know, I will remind folks that, there was a perception when the Steelers were interviewing Mike Tomlin and they had this thing that was kind of this new thing called the Rooney rule, uh, which instituted that, you know, uh, teams had to interview at least one minority candidate and it was named after, uh, I believe Art Rooney. I can't remember if it was Art Rooney or Dan Rooney, uh, whoever was the owner of the Steelers at the time, the late one of those guys. And basically the perception was like, I think the time that the hire came down to Russ Grimm, who was at that time, the Steelers offensive line coach or Mike Tomlin, who was this up and coming defensive coordinator from Minnesota. And there was this sort of perception that, you know, of, of anybody who could hire a minority coach, it would have to be the Steelers because of the name of the Rooney role. And then they of course went on to hire Mike Tomlin and he's what one he's been the has he won two Super Bowls? He's been to two Super Bowls, right? I can't remember. I, I want to say he's won two. I think that's right. It seems right, right? I think it does. And if it doesn't, then he's been to two, and that's still pretty good. He's, okay, so. he's been to two. They beat the they beat the Cardinals, and they lost to the Packers. That's right. Okay. 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 Right. Memory jog. There, yeah, yeah. So, your point still stands. Yeah, so it, it's yeah. It's one of those things where, like, the idea, and I remember there were there was frequent criticism at the time of like, Oh, the Steelers let a better candidate go. And I think Russ Grimm wound up being the offensive line coach in Arizona and they wound up playing each other in Super Bowl like a year later. But like people were like, Oh, they let a, a better candidate go because of optics or whatever the case may be. And I just sit here and say that they're like, look, they hired the best guy, even if the perception at the time was it was purely for optics. And so I think, I don't know. I guess my point is like, don't always assume that everything is purely optics related. And it's just mainly just like, Hey, they might hire my minority coach because as Dave said, he's the best candidate for the job. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out. I, uh, I will say, you know, with the nepotism thing too, like at least unlike the jets, the Falcons are not interviewing somebody like Brian Schottenheimer. So um, clearly, you know, they, their coaching search is taking them in a better direction than that. There you go. Um, Dave, I know you guys over at the Falcoholic are doing a great job covering all of the the breaking news. I know in, before coming on and talking with you, I had to go check out the Falcoholic to be like, okay, who exactly have they been connected to? And did I miss anything, uh, in terms of some news over the last, you know, 24 hours since the end of the season? Um, 
but uh, let the people know sort of what they can expect to see in terms of the off-season coverage over at the Falcoholic in the coming days and weeks. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna focus heavily on obviously the the coach and GM search story of the moment, and you know we can't really spend endless hours speculating on what's going to happen with the roster until those moves happen. So that'll be the big focus, and we'll kind of annoy people who don't want to celebrate anything about this past year by talking about end of season superlatives, you know, uh, MVP, offensive player of the year. Um, and then once those hires are set and we, we start thinking about the draft, um, you know, start talking a lot more about what this roster might look like next year. Cause I have the, the feeling it's going to look very, very different. Um, it's probably worth our time to, you know, really talk through what that might mean for fan favorites and maybe people, uh, <laughs> that fans are chomping to get rid of. Okay. Well, uh, you can find Dave, of course, at the Falcoholic on Twitter. Uh, and of course at the com, and Dave, I appreciate you joining me. I'm sure I will have you on the podcast many times over the coming weeks and months to talk about the various things that you are going to be covering at the Falcoholic, as well as any, uh, developments. And, you know, we always talk free agency. We always talk draft. I'm sure we're going to talk coaching hires and general manager hires late later on, you know, in the next three to five weeks or whenever that move is, uh, eventually made. So, um, look forward to that. And, uh, always a pleasure to get your perspective on these things, uh, right here on the locked on Falcons podcast. So appreciate it, Dave. Great talking to you again, and uh, yeah, we'll let's hope the uh, the next go around uh, ends in a Super Bowl win, like we thought maybe the last one might. So close, so close, so very close. Yes, the uh, the inevitable curse of being a Falcon fan is close, but no cigar, right? Always, never a cigar. Yeah. All right, man, friend, uh, have a good one. I hope you have had a happy New Year, and uh, you know, hopefully, your twenty twenty one, like the rest of the world's will be much better than your 2020 was. And you as well. Let's, let's hope. <laughs> All right, guys, there you have it for today's Lockdown Falcons. And tomorrow's Lockdown Falcons will be joined by the Athletics Jeff Schultz, who will be touching on many of the same topics that Dave touched on today and get Jeff's thoughts on some of these topics. And maybe Jeff, you know, has a history of joining this podcast and giving us some scoops, some info that at least for me, I am completely oblivious of, and you know, I don't want to put any extra pressure on Jeff to have to do that, but maybe he'll share us some insight into, um, you know, some secret knowledge <laughs> on the Falcons coaching search. Uh, but that's the plan for tomorrow's episode later this week on Thursday, we'll do our all 22 review of the week 17 game. Um, Friday, we'll probably also do a Q and a probably one of those days. I'll also, uh, do my sort of year end, awards for the Falcons, you know, MVP, offensive player year, et cetera, that sort of stuff. One of those two days. And of course, you know, if you want to send in questions related to the film or well uh, related to the future, I know a lot of you want to get into the future stuff. You can do so by hitting me up on Twitter at lockdown Falcons via Facebook at lockdown Falcons or sending an email to lockdown Falcons at mail.com. And uh, for the roughly 40% of you that live in the state of Georgia, I hope you went out and voted today or are planning on voting today. If you haven't already done so, um, you know, I love to meet the person that is listening to the podcast and goes, oh, no, I forgot the vote <laughs> and runs out of the house. Um, you know, I would love to meet that person. But, um, you know, just as a reminder, 
to do your civic duty and get out there and as they say <laughs> rise up and vote you know what i mean um yes i know all right i'm done guys <laughs> All right, until then, guys. I think the GM candidate list is just so good, too. Like, I mean, that's, I hope that came across in what I was saying. Like, I just, I can't think of a guy on that list besides Jerry Reese where I was like, I don't really want that. Like, there's a lot of qualified guys on there, seemingly, what we know. Yeah. So.